is the word of God. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sphera, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Thanks, Heather. It's awesome to hear the Word of God read. Something that we don't do a lot publicly, and it's refreshing and just encouraging to stand up where I sit technically, you know, just as a body of believers and to hear the word of God read. Does anybody like me, I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with the message, but I can't. It's the first time here at Trent. Oh, by the way, my name is Mark. What's up, everybody? So I'm campus pastor of the Allen Park campus. It's super good to be here with everybody. Trent, what's up online? Good to be with you. When you watch the bumper for this series, Empowered, do you get jacked up? That thing is awesome. It's like I'm an Avenger movie. You know, it's like the, the, the preview before you watch the movie and you see all the Avengers from all the old time and like you're getting pumped up before whatever new Avenger movie you're about to watch. I don't know if that's you. I hope you start thinking of it that way because this is a powerful church that you are a part of, not South Point, the church. And like today, we are a part of the same church that, that those images are trying to depict it's pretty crazy. It's powerful. This is amazing. And I'm glad that we're in this series called Empowered. But today we're going to talk about something that the early uh, church had to deal with. 
Um, and it's going to sound weird. It's going to start out kind of weird. If you know me, if you're kind of somewhat close with me, then you know this about me. It's not news. But I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of information, so please don't use it against me in a court of law. I do not like pants. I hate them. I don't like to wear long pants. I like shorts. Always have. I have to wear these because it's a rule you can't preach here with shorts on the stage, okay? So I abide by them, okay? I don't like to dress up. And yes, this is me dressed up. This is about as preppy and as dressed up as I get. I don't like to dress up. I don't know why. I just don't. I don't judge anyone who does. That's just me. But when I was young, okay, I still didn't like to dress up. But when I was young, I remember my mom or asking my mom, would you please take me to American Eagle back then? And there is a store, I don't know if it's a store, if it's just a brand, Duckhead, had like a little duck on shirts and stuff like that. I checked it out, they're still around, but anyways, probably nobody uses it anymore, I have no clue. But these, I asked my mom, like, dude, can I go get some of this kind of stuff? Not me, that, a shirt? No way ever was I going to wear that. But I said, Mom, let's go, can I, can I please go get that? And she walked me into the store like an awesome mom, and she bought me some of this stuff. I'm pretty sure we gave it to Goodwill with the tags on it. I'm not, but that, I went into the store, me, who hates clothing. I even got cologne from a store called Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay? This stuff, that's the exact, not the exact bottle, obviously. I threw it away. But that's the exact kind. It was called Woods. Woods don't smell like that. I'm just going to tell you that right now. All right? When I come out of the woods after camping, that is not what it smells like. But that was like a great scent or whatever, a cool thing. Why did I do this? Because I hated that stuff. I probably never wore those shorts maybe once. The only reason was because I wanted to impress some girls. That's it. That was the cool thing to do. All the guys were like, well, I want to try it. Why not? So I went to the dumb store and bought the clothing, where my mom did anyways. That's why I did it, just to impress some girls. I, I, you know, I'm too old to impress people anymore, but yet in my mind, we're never too old to impress people. We're always trying to impress people, like whether it's our boss or our worker, like, I mean, our coworkers or friends. I play ball, like when you go to, like it's Saturday night, typically at AP, we're playing ball, and like, I'm, oh, I can't move. I hardly can move, and yet I'm trying to like, I'm going to teach these guys a lesson. That's what's in my head. Dummy, that's still there. Like, why are you trying to do anything, impress them? I just go home, and I'm hurting like really badly, and I'm crying in front of my wife, like, oh, it's so bad, I can't move, honey. And so I like went from impressive to like crybaby, you know, it was bad. Like, who do you try to impress? I'm being honest with you. I still try to impress people every once in a while. I don't know why, it just happens. Who do you try to impress? Because I bet with your social media posts sometimes or with your conversations, maybe it's with your clothing, your watches, your bank account, your abilities, your accolades, the stuff that you've done. I don't know, but I bet you try to impress people sometimes. The early church, this is interesting, the early church was impressive. They were impressing a lot of people, but it's not the same kind of impressing that you and I typically do. They had to deal with this because people were impressed by them. But there was something different. And this is what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited about it. Because today in our culture, people dismiss the church, very you know, dismissive and just maybe negative comments, derogatory things about Christians, about the church. And let's be honest, it's okay. It's going to happen. We disagree. We don't believe the same thing. So of course, people that don't believe the same things are going to think differently. But, but here's the deal. They shouldn't. They can dismiss our beliefs, dismiss us, but they should not be able to dismiss our lives, our faithful lives that are impressive in the nature of we're serious about our faith. 
Like, I can't, we can't help but loving people. We can't help but going out in the neighborhoods and being Jesus, the hands and feet to people. We can't help but pray for and love people. We can't help it because we take our faith seriously. And I can't help but think, would the world take us more seriously if Christians took their faith more seriously? Maybe we're not impressive because we're not impressive. And that's so sad because understand what made that early church impressive was Jesus, not them. And they got it. They caught it. They understood that they were empowered by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. They didn't need to bring attention to themselves. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus. And so they lifted up Jesus. He's impressive. And Jesus did amazing, amazing things. The Holy Spirit did miracles among them. And they pointed to Jesus. And that's what made them so impressive. And the world couldn't help but take notice. And even if they didn't agree, man, they knew that they were for real. There was no hypocrites there. Acts is the, the storybook, the history book of the church. And that's why we're going through at least the first chapters together so that we can see the beginning, what the church is supposed to look like. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit to lift up the name of Jesus, a collective group of people unified under his banner, his name, to share him with the rest of the world. And that is impressive. And when you walk in here, we want you to experience that. And those of you that call South Point your home, we want you to be a part of that. Not inside these walls, not just inside these walls, or as you're watching, but outside. So our big idea today is this. We'll have more impact when we take our faith more seriously. Simple. Simple as that. We take our faith more seriously, we'll have more impact. When we don't take our faith seriously, we won't have as much impact, right? That's what that means. We want unchurched people. Dismiss our beliefs all you want, but you can't dismiss the seriousness and the faithfulness of the people that are following this Jesus. I don't agree with them, but man, I got to be honest with you, those lives are pretty powerful. Can't argue with the life. Is that what people see when they think of South Point? Is that what people see when they think of you? Is that what people think when they see Christians in Down River? And, 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 and here, like in the building, it's not just inside this room. It starts when people come into the parking lot even, right? We take this seriously here. Like when somebody comes into the parking lot, have no clue what happened this past week. Have no clue what their lives have been like the past week. So if we have parking greeters out there saying, what's up? How you doing? Welcome. Just to let them know, man, we're so glad you came. Like it's crazy, isn't it? Like we're actually glad that you came and they don't even know us. It helps them maybe. It starts out there, especially in the cold winter months, which we're still technically kind of in, right? Hey, guess what? There's lots more room. So maybe even some of you would encourage to be a part of that team. Especially spring is coming, so it's warming up for you. But it's a cool thing. It's an amazing impression just to say we were thinking about you even before you came. And then when people come to the door, think about this. You're not just a greeter. It, it's what you're doing. I'm thinking about you. We're thinking about you before you even came. And we said hello with a smile. How are you doing? Whatever, right? And it's not just the greeters. It's every single person. If all of us were acting that way and like being hospitable, warm, and welcome, welcoming, that, that's just different. That stands out. It's impressive. Like, man, I don't, I don't know about these people, but I got to give them something. Like, they're nice. And they, they make me feel like I'm, like I'm somebody, like, like I matter to them, like they care about me. And we want their kids to have an impressive opportunity, I mean, experience in their kids' ministry. We want their kids to be amazed and have an awesome time. 
We want the, the bands and, 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 and the music and the videos and the messages and everything to be impressive. Like, we want people to have this wow experience. Like, wow. Again, I don't know if I believe everything, but, man, they're serious about this. And they thought about me. That, that's intense. Like, they're not fake. This is real. And then when you leave here, imagine, what if they said that when you left? Where you worked, your bosses said that about you. Your coworkers said that about you. Our, our, our friends and family said that about us. Like, I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but, man, they're, they're for real. Because the church, understand this, we're, we don't have to compete with others. We're never going to compete with Hollywood and production and Disney World with that attractions. We're not going to compete with other people. We can't even compete with our smartphones, our iPods and iPads and stuff. We're not going to compete with that. I mean, yes, we have some cool stuff. But this, you know, it gets old after a while. It's not super impressive. But we don't have to compete because we have something that no one else has. It's Jesus. It's not us. It's not me. It's Jesus. And we want to lift him up. Jesus is the only thing that we are here to, we exist for, to share the gospel about him. So if this is your first time here, we do all of this because we, we love you. We care about you. But more than we love you and care about you, we don't want you to think about us too much. We want you to know this guy, Jesus, because what we found in him is forgiveness and a new life. And think about the early disciples. There are so many people that, that witnessed Jesus that were there with him but left him. So many more left than, kept, than stayed. Why did those disciples stay? Because they knew he was real. Like this is the resurrected Jesus Christ, and they couldn't stay away from him. They were impressed by him. They were awed by him because he was awesome. And so they stayed. And this early church was impressed by Jesus. And people around them were impressed by their Jesus. Are people impressed by our Jesus? Or do our lives look no different than anybody else? You see, I can't really say that I hold the banner of Jesus. I'm all out for Jesus when my life looks exactly like everybody else. Now, that's demeaning Jesus. That's not lifting him up. That's lifting me up. The early church lifted him up, and their lifestyles were radically different. And one of the ways it was people were impressed by their generous sharing. I mean, those people loved one another in the context they shared their possessions and everything they had with one another. They were one in mind, one in spirit, and all the one another's in Scripture. They cared for, loved, for, loved each other. They, um, they served one another. They were generous, not just financially, but in their, in their words and in their time with one another. They were radically different. When people looked at them, they're like, man, those people... They really love each other. That's crazy. Like, it was very different. It stood out. And a lot of people walk in these doors every weekend or watching online every weekend, wishing, wanting, looking for something like that. A real community. Like, not just fake. Like, I've got my family because I have to, right? But, no, I mean, like, people that actually genuinely care about me that I can actually be genuinely like, honest with. And we could build community, real life together with. People come looking for that. And too often, instead of finding connection, they find conflict. We don't look like us. You don't sound like us. You don't do the things that we do. And now, here's twofold. Like a lot of times, I mean, a lot, I've dealt with a lot of people over the years, they've left the church because they didn't feel cared for. And you ask them some questions, do a little probing. They're like, well, I didn't really do anything either. I mean, it's a two-way street. I can invite you into my group. I can invite you into my home. But you can say no. So one, are we inviting? And if you're on the other side of that, are you saying yes? Get into a group. Get into a community. Like, if you just keep experiencing it on the weekend or virtually or online, it's great. It's awesome. But until you get into a group, 
of humans where you're sitting and having discussion and sharing life together, you're not really going to find this kind of community. It doesn't exist in a large group like this. It only exists in smaller gatherings. And the early church, man, they were great at that. They met together and they shared their lives with one another. So we're inviting you generically to get into a group, but I hope you get some personal invitations. And if you're a group leader, continue to personally invite people. Those first Christians, they shared with their brothers and sisters everything they had. Acts 4 kind of shares some of this. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that all there were no needy persons among them. That's crazy. They saw this radically different. They saw that everything that they had was not theirs. It was God's, and God gave them purpose behind it. Like, this wasn't for you to store up and hoard for yourself. This is for you to share and bless other people. Now, understand, I don't think you don't see anywhere in there that they gave up everything and they became poor because then they were in need. It just said that they seemed to give up things that they had when there was need. They made sacrifices and helped other people. And understand, some people call this like a church socialism. This was not socialism by any shape or form because this is 100% voluntary. I mean, does anybody feel generous and like, woo, I get to pay my taxes this year. Woo! No, probably not, right? Because it's not optional. This was 100% voluntary. They were led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I'm I'm good. Let me help you instead of building bigger barns for myself. Let me serve and care for other people. And that's what they did. This was in no way forced. This was 100% led by the Holy Spirit, and their lives were radically different. They looked different than everyone else around them, do we? Jesus' half-brother, James, said this, Suppose a brother or sister, uh, which is primarily like a believer, like a Christian, is without clothes and daily food. If, you, if one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? And you can see on the outside, like, oh, yeah, that's rude, right? But, but do I do that? Do we do that? I mean, I get it. We're busy. We have stuff. But when I see genuine need, does it even, like, is my heart even, like, pricked anymore? Am I soft-hearted towards any of that anymore? And I get it. Fake people, people are just swindlers. That's one thing. But what about genuine need? Does it even break my heart anymore? The Holy Spirit was, has changed them. They saw things differently now. And so when they saw people in genuine need, it was like, wait a minute, that's my brother and sister now. Not biologically, but in Christ, you're my brother and sister, let me help. I'll sacrifice something that I have for your sake. Not for anything back, just because. So as Christians, we can't help everyone. This is where Apostle John helps us here. But we certainly should help our brothers and sisters in Christ. So why don't you please say this with me. It's 1 John 3, 17. It should be up on the screen. But if anyone has money to live, well, sorry, and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? I'm sorry. I'm really bad at leading public reading. I'm not going to lie. I'll just go off. But good job. That's what this says. We should help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, I can't help everybody, but I need to help my family out. And if I refuse to help my family out, there's something wrong. It's something wrong with me because God has said that through his Holy Spirit, he wants us to. And again, it's not something that I'm naturally going to desire. Woohoo! I'm going to help everybody out. This is great. I'm going to sacrifice and not get all the things that I want, right? I'm not going to be like, oh, that's great all the time. That's okay. 
It's not something that we're going to come by naturally. It's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. Once again, that early church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. They didn't just live life the best way they thought. They lived life empowered, changed by the Holy Spirit. And that life that was demonstrated in them was impressive, stood out to everyone around them. And it would today. And those lives do stand out today. No matter where, where you work, where you live, that life stands out. Because it's not me. It's something else. And people take notice. Dude, why are you like that? I'm glad you asked. It's not me, dude. I wouldn't be like this at all. It's because of Jesus. Can I tell you about him? That's what the early church did. They were impressed by their lifestyles, and then they boldly proclaimed Jesus. And when they told people about Jesus, Jesus drew people into himself. That's the way it worked. They lived, they demonstrated them these amazing lives, and then they invited people to come. Now, Christians today are still, by far, in large, really across the world, the most generous people. Think about all the hospitals and charities alone that are started by Christians. But this is not something, once again, that we're just naturally going to do. This is this powered by the Holy Spirit. And here at South Point, we have a benevolence team. We have a care fund that helps people that are in real need, like medical bills or other types of things that are real need. We have a food pantry open every Wednesday for all of Down River. We do backpacks and, and meals from things at Christmas and Easter and all throughout the year. We do work through Go Impact 360 and other organizations to serve all over the world. We've got all, lots of awesome opportunities. And that stands out. Listen, it's not about bringing attention to our name, like saying, hey, woo, look at South Point. You guys are so awesome. No, it's about being different. And it does get attention. And when the attention comes, it's like, it's because of God. Let, us, let me tell you about this guy, Jesus. That's the only reason why we do it. They work together, the good deeds and sharing faith with people. Listen, the, the church isn't to provide all for the poor. Uh, Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to whom? Everybody, as we can, but our first priority, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. It's not lifting us up and saying, look how awesome we are. It's about just being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we can't help but do it, because it's what he is doing through us. In Acts 4, those Christians, they just laid their offerings and gifts at the apostles' feet, which is like modern day the church. And they laid them at the leader's feet and said, you do what is most appropriate to meet the greatest needs. Because they saw their possessions and their words and their lives differently after they met Jesus. And what about us? Do we see things differently? Or were we just in it to get something? Like, I wanted the blessings of what I heard people told me I'm going to get if I become a Christian. But do we see our lives differently? The early church did, and they were impressive. The other thing that we, people were impressed by was the severe warning that we found. that This Ananias and Sapphira thing, let's just be honest, this is awkward. This is difficult to deal with. I grew up in the church, and so there, was this, there used to be a kid's song, Ananias and Sapphira did conspire, something like that. I don't remember the rest of the words. I just remember something. There was a kid's song about this. Now that, you know, as you're older, like, that's an awkward song to sing because this is a very sad moment. This is difficult. But they had property. Understand it was their property. They could do whatever they wanted to with it. But for some reason, it seemed like they, got, they were getting jealous, envious of all the other people who were, you know, 
selling their things and giving it away to everybody. And they, people were probably celebrating it and like, wow, that's awesome. Way to go. And they wanted some of that attention. And so they said they made this plan, this plot to sell their property and whatever they made from it. And they were only going to give a portion of it. But they were going to tell everybody that they gave all of it so they can get this attention and be like, wow, you guys are amazing. Why did they do that? No clue. But that's what they were doing. Understand that's very deceitful, right? They were just, they were, they were lying. Why? Don't know, because they didn't have to. Acts 4, Ananias, notice this wasn't the Holy Spirit that led them. It was Satan that so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Why did you do this? You have lied not just to human beings, but to God. Understand, like a lot of us look at this like, dude, that's not the right punishment. They lied. They didn't do it. That's, that's severe punishment, capital punishment for that. We look at that. That's not a big deal. God saw the way God saw it. God saw it as being deceitful, lying. Understand, you know what breaks down churches more than people from the outside? It's inconsistency and hypocrisy from the inside. It's people claiming to be godly and faithful and loving, and they're liars. Just Not like we make a mistake every once in a while, but living a lie. Saying that we're pure and we love our wives when we don't and we're cheating on them. Saying that we're in, in, we have integrity when, with finances and yet we're stealing and cheating. And God, from the very beginning, said, if you're going to be in this, you need to be all in. And sin is serious. And sometimes we take sin too lightly. And this is a difficult one. I don't know why, but it happened. And, and God set an example in that early church. And people had great fear. And they understood that if you wanted to be a part of this, you need to take it seriously. It's not just something I can hang around and like kind of pretend this is a serious thing. Take this faith, this Jesus seriously. It's your choice. He said a sobering example. Hebrews 12 reminds us because, man, we, God is holy. And so we should approach him with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Yes, we perceive like God is all love and mercy. Yeah, I mean, he is full of love and mercy. He's forgiving. And if it wasn't for his grace, we'd have no chance of salvation. However, he is a holy God. He is a holy God. And so justice is within his domain. And he is a holy God, and he does not take sin lightly. And sometimes we're a little too flippant with it. Ah, it's not a big deal. Sometimes we may see him as like this old grandfatherly guy, like, ah, it's okay, kid. What if God were to call us to repentance, the church today? What would it look like? Or if you were to call out all the hypocrisy in the church today, what would it look like? That scares me. I bet we're glad he doesn't. And again, hypocrisy is not we sin. The church is full of imperfect people and we make mistakes. It's living a lie. It's living, uh, I'm going to say that I'm, I love Jesus, but I, I'm not going to do anything. And I don't really try at all to love Jesus or to look like him. It's living hypocrisy, not every once in a while I make a mistake. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is living and demonstrating himself through us. That's what this is referring to. But just remember, this is a very sobering reminder of who God is. 
What happened in Acts 4? It says that great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Of course it did. That was an awesome act of God. Not in the sense that we normally use that word awesome, but it was. And people, this is that weird, is kind of a neat thing. They were seized with fear and they didn't really want to be a part of them. And yet their numbers kept growing. Like that's scary, intense, but man, I, I want to be a part of it. That's, that's real. Because God is real. And that's what people need. They don't need a once a week encouragement pep talk. They don't need religion. They want new life, truth, meaning, peace, all of these things that only come through Jesus. And that early church committed themselves and stayed faithful to Jesus. And they remembered the gospel because the gospel is what the church exists for. We're not here just to meet needs and help people. We're here to present the gospel boldly and clearly that Jesus is the only name under which, under heaven by which we may be, you may be saved. And so we boldly and proudly declare that Jesus is who he says he is. And so we understand that in, Paul, in Romans 6, Paul says the wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. For my pride, for my sin, for my disobedience, for my rebelliousness, I deserve death. And yet God was, had mercy on me and on you. We're alive today because of God's great mercy. Even though we deserve death, Romans 6 goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. No, we're not perfect, but we are actively pursuing to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we're actively pursuing to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us so that our lives look like Jesus. And in that, God does miracles. Maybe not the kind of miracles that like, stand out like crazy, bring people back from the dead miracles, although I bet we just don't know how many miracles happen every day and we just use modern science or other things to say that was something else. But maybe God does a whole lot more miracles that we don't realize. But God does a miracle when I change. When this stony heart right here changes, I don't get the credit. Too many times I give myself the credit, but that's a miracle. When you change, when you start praying, when you start looking at other people differently, that's not you. That's a miracle. God just did something, and it's powerful. And in the early church, people were impressed by supernatural signs. And too often we like want those things as a, a sign or a symbol of my authority or my ability or look at me. That early church recognizes the gifts that they were given and how they had a holy God. So they didn't want to mess with God. No, this is all about you. It has nothing to do with lifting my name up. It's about look what Jesus is doing. We want to bring your sickness to the foot of Jesus. And to say in Jesus' name we want to pray for you. We want to bring your healing. We want to bring you and your family and pray over you in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Mark or South Point, but in the name of Jesus. And they did that. And God did miracles among them. And listen this, Acts 4, no one else dared join them. This is that weird even though they were highly regarded. Like those lives were amazing, but we're a little nervous about this because it's intense. It's for real. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. It produced caution. Man, this is, I know I have to make a decision. Is this Jesus the real deal or not? I'm in or I'm out. That's what our culture needs. They don't need a self-help. They don't need like an encouragement. They need faith, real faith, real faith. And the only way oftentimes they're going to see it is through you and I, through us. They see what it looks like in me 
when I live it out. Again, I'm not the one they need. It's just they're the one, I'm the one they see. And so if my life looks different, it stands out. If your life looks different, it stands out. And then we have the unique opportunity to point them to Jesus. Not me, not you. Again, our big idea will have more impact when we take our faith more seriously. Dude, if we're going to make an impression, because God wants us to make an impression, but it's not our clothing, <laughs> it's not an Abercrombie and Fitch and our, our scent that he wants us to be impressive by. He wants our lives to be impressive. He wants our faith to be impressive. And you and I, dads out there, get this, man. Like I, I speak, We can't. We're not big enough, strong enough, smart enough. There's not enough anything in us to be the most amazing dads and husbands you, you can be. It's impossible. It's only through faith in Christ. So the more we give to him, the more of ourselves we let go of, I guarantee you, you will be the more amazing father, husband, worker, boss, whatever. That's what's going to happen. Moms, ladies, middle schoolers, high schoolers, I guarantee you, this is where the more seriously we take our faith, the more impressive our lives will be, and Jesus will get all the credit. So what are you going to do with Jesus? That's the question. That's what the early church dealt with, and that's what you have to deal with today. What are you going to do with Jesus? And if you're in this room or watching online, you've already given your life to Christ, then the question is this. You have to ask yourself and understand it's a dangerous question. Does your life look different? Different than it did before and different than those around you. Do you take your faith seriously? Do you take Jesus Christ seriously? Does your life demonstrate it? Understand, I can say it if you're a parent, you know this. My kids can say it all day long, but if they're not demonstrating it, did they merely mean it? And people can ask the same of me. So ask that of yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict us. If you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an invitation. During this next song or at the end of the service, we're going to be waiting up here. You can email us. Let us know if you want to make a decision. Like, seriously, do you want to follow Jesus? Because there's a lot of people in that New Testament church that, man, they didn't know him. And they had a lot to lose. They had a lot to give up. And they understood what would happen if I did follow this Jesus. And yet, their numbers grew. Because he's awesome. He's impressive. He's worth it. He's faithful. He'll always be there. Not this church, not me, not you, but Jesus will be. And so we're not calling you to anything in this world. We're calling you to follow him, to place your faith in Jesus, that he is God, that he was human somehow. He died on that cross and your sins were, were, were nailed to that cross with him. And then this Jesus who was dead and in the tomb, God raised him from the dead and now he is alive. And because of that, we can celebrate. Because of that, those baptisms we saw earlier on the screen, that means changed life. That means new life. That means forgiveness and mercy and eternal life. And that can be yours. Not to build you up, but honestly, to take us down and lift Jesus up in our lives. And when that happens, your life will not just have peace, It'll be impressive. And people will ask, hey, what's different? And that's the moment. An awesome opportunity. Pointing to Jesus. Would you please stand?